Hello and welcome to another edition of the Parting Shots Podcast, brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android in your app store. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for joining me. We have another big show for you. I'll have interviews with members of the Arena Bowl 32 champion Albany Empire, who defeated the Philadelphia Soul on Sunday at the Times Union Center. Also, Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McGadden makes his weekly appearance to talk Saratoga horse racing. But first, a unique sporting event will make its debut on Tuesday, August 20th. It's the inaugural Aurora Games, which will have some of the top female athletes competing. The Games run through August 25th at the Times Union Center and Albany Capital Center. I spoke with the Games executive producer and creator, Jerry Solomon, about the Aurora Games. First of all, Jerry, thanks for joining me, and uh, talk about what the Aurora Games are all about. So, thanks for having me. Um, the Aurora Games are going into their very first year. It's the inaugural event. Uh, the concept is that it's an all-women's platform for professional athletes. Um, it's the Americas, North and South America, against the rest of the world in tennis, basketball, gymnastics, ice hockey, figure skating, and beach volleyball. And then we have um, table tennis as an exhibition event. But if if by some chance there's a tie at the end of six days, then the, um, the table tennis is going to be the tiebreaker. So what was the inspiration behind starting these games? The inspiration was that I have been in this business for a long time. Uh, I've represented a lot of athletes, males and females. Uh, my wife is two-time Olympic medalist, Nancy Kerrigan. I was watching the 2016 Rio Olympic Games at which I was representing Kayla Harrison, who uh, went on to win her second consecutive uh, gold medal in judo. And I was realizing that there were more women on the on the U.S. Olympic team than men for the first time in history. But then as the Olympics were going on, the stories were really predominantly about the men. And the men were getting most of the coverage. And it didn't really make sense to me because I really thought the women were doing better. And I said to a few people, I think it's time. I think the women can stand on their own. I think they should stand on their own. I think it's time for an event that is all about the women, that is not putting the women under the umbrella of the men where they get compared to how the men are, are doing and playing and comparing the two sports. And so that's really where it came from. Well, the timing of the uh, inaugural, inaugural Aurora game seems perfect, Jerry, with the U.S. women's soccer team winning the World Cup last month. Do you think the games can benefit from that? Look, I think, I think it's one of those things where rising tides lift all boats. So I think what's good for American women's soccer team is good for all of the world's um, women's sports events and athletes and activities. So I think it's I think it all is moving in a very positive direction. But you know the fact is that it's it's starting from such a ridiculously low base. I mean, as we've gotten into all this, we found out things that even though I've been in the sports business for a long time, and but I didn't even realize that, for example, that women's sports get only 4% of the press coverage and only 4% of the sponsorship dollars globally. 
as compared to men's sports. I mean, 4%, that's, that's, you know, nothing. And it's a disparity that is just so, so out of whack. So, um, you know, it's starting from a place where I think all of these things only serve to help and we're seeing growth in women's sports all around the world. And I, and I think that, you know, we're just at the beginning stages of it, really, um, even though some of the leagues, you know, like the WNBA has been around for 20 years. But, but I, I think we're really at the early stages of seeing much more ramped up growth in women's sports, not only in America, but around the world. Why was Albany and the uh, Times Union Center uh, chosen to host the games? So I, we've done some things there before. I knew Bob Delbert for a long time. Um, and when I called him, it really wasn't about Albany. It was about some of the other buildings that their company is involved with. And he said, you got to come take a look at Albany because you haven't been here in a while. And because we've spent a lot of money building the convention center and putting in a, a, a new, a, a lot of new elements into the Times Union Center, and um, which they have, and it's really come out nicely. And so I went up there to see that, and when I saw the, the fact that there is these two buildings that are connected by what we're going to call the Studio A walkway during the Aurora Games, um, it was a great setup for us because we wanted to have a fan zone in, the, in one building and the, the uh, competition in the other building, and so... Um, you know, the setup was just great. And uh, so then we started talking about how it all worked within within the city and the county and the state, and everybody got on board. And so we made a made a commitment to go to Albany, and which I'm very pleased with. Yeah, we're a few days away from the games, Jerry. I mean, how are ticket sales going, and how's the uh, attention to these games coming along? Yeah, well, the attention is fantastic. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we're really seeing a lot of, interest in what it is that we're doing. Ticket sales, I think, are picking up. They could be better. Uh, but, you know, it's it, we're doing something that's brand new. I mean, people don't even know what it is. And it's a very hard thing to even communicate because when you talk about if you have a 30-second radio spot, for example, or a television spot, in 30 seconds to communicate six sports and all the different things that are going on and, and what it all means and the Babe Didrikson's, the Harriet's Trophy, and who some of the athletes are. It's pretty tough to, to explain in 30 seconds, particularly when it's a brand new thing. So um, hopefully, you know, the ticket sales will continue to go uh, in a positive direction. And we'll, the, the thing that I'm looking for most from the people of Albany is that they come out to support it and have a really electric feeling in the building. I think if the athletes really feel that there's a great amount of interest in electricity, then we're going to have great, Great events. I mean, you have going to have some high-profile um, women involved in the games. Jackie joyner Kersey, a track and field legend, is going to be the captain of the U.S. team. Uh, gymnastic legend Nadia Komenich will captain the international team. Uh, All-American gymnast Caitlin Ohashi, who had a routine go viral uh, earlier this year, is going to be competing. I mean, how important does it have to, uh, these kind of names and people involved in uh, this, the inaugural Aurora Games? I mean, I, I think it's probably – I think it's probably more important than I might have realized. Um, you know, when people go to the Olympics, for example, they don't know, who, they buy their tickets a year or two in advance. They have no idea who they're going to see, but they just want to be at the Olympics. And when people go to the Super Bowl, they buy their tickets, you know, six months in advance, and they don't know who they're going to see. They hope that their hometown team goes, but they don't really know who's going to be in the, in the Super Bowl. They just want to be there. 
And, you know, it, that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I, I went to the first Super Bowl, and I can assure you that I didn't think that there would be 52 more of them. Um, you know, if you were at the first Olympics, I don't mean back in the ancient Greece, but I mean, you know, back in, in 1896 or whatever it was, um, I'm sure that there were not, you know, 20,000 people in the state, in the stands. So it's a growth. It, it, it takes time for these things to grow and become accepted and understood. And um, But I think maybe in the first year, having some household names would have been a, maybe a little bit more helpful. However, that is in part why the Aurora Games even are coming around. Because in women's sports, the depth of household names just is not that great as compared to men's sports where you have much greater depth of name recognition. And so, you know, if you take basketball, for example, you know, we've got some of the best basketball players in the world coming in, but people don't know who they are. Uh, in hockey, we've got several Olympic gold medalists coming in, but people don't know their names. So um, I, I hope that people will sort of take a leap of faith a little bit that they're going to see the best athletes in the world. They're going to come out and support it. And, it, you know, we're going to see women supporting women. We're going to be, we're going to see men out there who want to take their kids and who want, who are interested in it on their own. Well, I think that what we find is that there are many more men interested in women's sports than they might actually let on, um, that the kids are going to come out and they're going to see the, the future of sports and the, the current stars and, um, you know, sort of get a little taste of, of, what all this means in in terms of popular culture, uh, and if we can do that, then I think we're on the on the verge of creating something that could be very meaningful in the long term. Jerry, the week of the Aurora Games is going to be part of a big sporting week here in the Capital Region. It's going to be Travers Week at Saratoga Racecourse. Uh, Premier Lacrosse is going to take place that weekend at the University at Albany. Um, any concerns about getting lost in the shuffle, especially with the Travers? You know, you're always up against something. Uh, I think that the Travers actually is a plus because it brings a lot of people into the area. Um, you know, the Travers Stakes takes two minutes. Um, so they're going to have a lot of time on their hands. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll come and, and check us out. We do not have a, an event up against the Travers. We have figure skating on that Saturday, but it's in the afternoon. Uh, the Travers is late is later in the afternoon, uh, so you could actually go to the figure skating and be be in Saratoga in time for the race. Finally, with all the events going on at one venue at the Times Union Center, what are the challenges involved in the, the changeovers? Well, you know that was another of the things that was very attractive about going to Albany is that I knew that Bob had a great staff at the Times Union Center. They've done these kinds of things. They've had. If there's nothing new that we're bringing in that they haven't seen before, um, haven't done it in the, in you know six consecutive days, but um, you know they're they're used to those changeovers, uh, going from ice to basketball, and uh, so I think that while that will be a fun part of what it is that we're doing, uh, of all the things that are challenging, I, in a lot of ways, I actually think that's going to be the least the least of my concerns. <laughs> Would you like to have this be an annual event? planned as an annual event. It's planned to happen every two years in non-Olympic years. The idea to have some build-up in between each one. Um, 
So, uh, no, we're not looking to make it annual. Okay. Well, Jerry, uh, good luck with the Aurora Games. I uh, appreciate you coming on a few minutes on this Party Shots podcast, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks. That's Jerry Solomon. Up next, we talk with some members of the Arenathwall 32 champion Albany Empire. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android in your app store. Hi, this is Albany Empire quarterback Tommy Grady. You're listening to Parting Shots, the Daily Gazette sports podcast with associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, I'm Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening. Well, it was a great night Sunday for fans of the Albany Empire. 20 years after the Albany Firebirds won the Arena Bowl, the Empire took down the Philadelphia Soul 45-27 to win Arena Bowl 32. I was down at the Times Union Center for the game, and that was my first Arena Bowl game, and I picked a good one to go to. There were over 12,000 fans were loud, and my hearing was still a little hazy on Monday. And the post-game party on the field and in the locker room was unbelievable. Well, thank goodness they handed out ponchos before we went into the locker room because the champagne was flowing. My clothes were could have been a lot worse with the champagne on them. So, anyway, I caught up with several members of the Empire. I spoke with head coach Rob Keefe, quarterback and Arena Bowl MVP Tommy Grady, defensive back Maurice Leggett, and wide receiver Malachi Jones. All those interviews coming up right now in that order. Well, the talk of the year was uh, unfinished business. Tonight you finished the business. How does it feel? That feels great. It feels amazing. Uh, it feels right. You know, it, it, it works in places like Albany. It works in the Capital Region. Give all the credit in the world to these players. They fought hard. They practiced hard overcame adversity. This is what it's all about. Uh, it's going to be special, special, special feeling for a very long time. The defense really stepped up. The interception for the touchdown and the two defensive stands. How big were those? Those were huge. I think, uh, you know, unfortunately we turned the ball over, but then we got to stop. And then we got an onside kick against us, and then we got to stop. I mean, if that's not a metaphor for life about not stopping, not quitting, the heart of this team is amazing. But the team chemistry and the culture, it's what persevered tonight. You saw it. Uh, you saw it come through in their passionate play. I got the crowd, Rob. This is what it's all about, man. I mean, all credit to the world, to these fans and the front office staff for packing them in here. I'm so thrilled. I, I love giving or helping, I guess, give joy to others. I mean, that's just my thing. And uh, I really wanted this for everyone involved. And I'm so glad people came to this, they saw it, and they get to feel it for a long time. I mean, it's a great feeling. We, you know, it's a total team effort tonight. Everyone played great. Uh, you know, we, we knew we got a home, home field advantage. We knew we had a good chance. So we, we worked all year for this, and uh, you know, it was a great, great outcome for us. Now you talked about the beginning of the year, unfinished business. Yep. The business is finished now, right? Yep. It's, it's about as finished as it can get. So we, uh, we played great as a team tonight, and uh, I'm just happy for all my teammates, our coaches. Uh, everyone worked so hard all year, and it was great to come out of the championship. I don't know. I don't think we're nervous. Just, we came out. We made a couple mistakes, but I don't, I don't think anybody's nervous. Everyone's real, everyone relaxed. We, we kept our cool. And, you know, we made a mistake, and uh, we got back in the game. Two defensive line stands by the defense. How big was that? Defense is awesome, man. They're, they're great tonight. They got us the stops when we needed them. We got stopped a couple times on offense, but you know, defense picked us up. 
Finally, how are you feeling right now? Feeling great. Feel amazing. Finally. The business 12 is, long years. The business is finished here, right? 12 long years. This is why you love the game. You talk about the true defensive stance you guys had. Amazing. D-line did great. D-line is amazing. The real bullies of the game. So proud of this team. So proud of this organization, these coaches, the fan base, the front office. Could not ask for a better group of people to be around. Electrifying. You couldn't ask for a better crowd playing in the Arena Football League. This is why you come to Albany, because you know you're going to get the support. Shout out to the fans, man. I love y'all to death. We love you guys to death. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Congratulations to the Albany Empire. Up next, Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam joins me for the latest on the Saratoga horse racing season. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, Saratoga horse racing fans. Want a chance to win a $50 gift certificate to a Capital Region dining establishment? Then play the Daily Gazette Saratoga Pick 7. Pick your horses to score the most points in the first seven races at Saratoga Racecourse. The winner receives a $50 gift certificate to an area dining establishment. To play, go to pick7.dailygazette.com and make your picks 15 minutes before post time the day of the race. To see the list of dining establishments participating, pick up a copy of the Daily Gazette. the Party Shots podcast. Uh, week five of the Saratoga horse racing season is in the books, and we saw another record-setting performance. I'm talk about that and other aspects of the Saratoga season is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McGadden. Mike, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, everybody. Enjoying a couple days off. I was in Cooperstown yesterday and uh, hooking up with some family members and friends, and uh, so um, but getting ready to get back in the swing of things with the Alabama yeah, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, uh, God Stormy showed that uh, she got game in winning Saturday's four-star Dave Handicap. She set a record by winning in 132, and she became the first female to win the race in 35 runnings. It was an impressive effort and, uh, and a victory in her second in two weeks. I mean, she won the De La Rose uh, the week before. Uh, just the thoughts about that, you know, her, her performance and doing it a week after winning a race. It's really cool, um, especially because these days you see trainers and owners have a tendency, they're more likely to wait and give a horse more time. And in this case, it was just one of those classic strike while the iron is hot. Trainer Mark Cassie had some reservations about running her back so quickly. And the owner, Gary Barber, who's a true sportsman and just he, he gets horses and he wants to race them. Um, he, he asked him a simple question, how has she been training? And Kathy said, uh, I've never seen her better. It's <laughs> like, well, why not? You know, and it was, it was some calculation, as I wrote in my story on Gary Barber's part, that being a female horse, she was getting a certain amount of weight allowance against everybody else in the field, which, um, you know, if that wasn't the case, then maybe the, the decision is a little more difficult. But that said, She's ready to rock. They brought her back a week later after she had won by four lengths, and um, everything set up perfectly for her. And uh, 
Um, she wins. She sets a track record. Was kind of frosting on the cake. Uh, first Billy to win it. And, and this is this is like a great one race. It's it's really become. Naira back in like 12 or 2012 or 13 really gave a big boost to this race. It used to be called the Daryl's Joy. It was renamed after Four Star Dave, very popular horse in Saratoga. But when Wise Dan had some inkling of running here, they they bolstered the purse and they moved it back to a mile and and it became a great one to kind of attract him, um, just who at the time was, you know, one of the biggest stars in racing and he came and won it two years in a row and since then, been a terrific race this year. They had ten horses, including two female horses, and one of them got Stormy won it. And uh, it's just kind of really cool highlight. I mean, the track record was almost secondary. Just the fact that they that here's a filly and they're bringing her back a week later because, as a sportsman, Gary Barber is. He decided, you know, she's right. Um, let's let's give her a whirl here, and it paid off. Hey, Mike, in watching the race uh, at the office on Saturday, uh, Gidu uh, was setting a fast pace and uh, was leading most of the way. It got Stormy was fifth at the half-mile mark, fourth at the three-quarter mark. Uh, then she started making her move down the stretch. I mean, how was jockey uh, Richard Ricardo Santana Jr. able to, to keep God Stormy in contention and uh, get her down and take the lead in the stretch? Well, it's interesting because that was his first um, time he'd ever ridden her um, not that she's a difficult horse to ride or anything, but when you you know you're not as familiar with a horse, uh, Tyler Gaffione had a, had a commitment on a different horse, March of Arch, and they kind of made a last minute audible to put Scott Stormy in there. And they went searching around for a rider, and they couldn't do um, much better than Ricardo Santana based on who was out of town and who was still available and everything. A very good rider, good stakes rider. He's having a terrific meet with um, Steve Asmussen, baby horse, you know, two year old, and. It's one of those cases where if you haven't watched a lot of races and you see a horse get out to a huge lead like that, you figure it's over. But these guys have an internal clock, and if they know, they can read how their horse is running and feeling and kind of get a sense for the rhythm there that they know that all is not lost, especially if you do your homework and you know, you know, if you do, that's kind of the way he runs. And on paper, that might be the way the race would set up. There's no reason to panic. So it was just kind of like a very good measured ride by Ricardo Santana. Um, gauging the horse in front of him, but also gauging how his horse felt, and, and she was doing it well within herself. So it was just one of those beautiful instances where it's a matter of timing and knowing that you have the animal underneath you who's, who's capable of winning this thing and not panicking. Um, so it was kind of cool to see that as an excellent uh, piece of riding by Santana. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, results here from Saturday, the, the trainers list. Mark Cassie, obviously the winning horse. Chad Brown had two and three and five, and Cassie had four, so they basically dominated uh, the top five spots. Yeah, Chad Brown's running away with the training standings, as everybody figured he would. Um, now it's just a matter of whether he's going to break his own record that he set last year uh, with 46. Um, I think I think he's got 20 or 21 right now, which means on paper he's actually going to have to pick up a little bit, which you know I wouldn't put it past him. Um, and Cassie's having a very good meet, too. Um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But, you know, as far as the, the year-end title uh, named after Alan Jerkins is concerned, that's pretty much w- was over a few weeks ago, I would say. Well, Saturday's other stakes race was the Saratoga Special, and Greenlight Go won that, uh, winning by three and three-quarter lengths. Another impressive performance. Yeah, and he did everything right. And Jimmy Jerkins, the, the trainer, is not one to, like, really overly pump up his, his horses after the fact. But he... 
had a lot of good things to say about this horse and said he, he could be a really nice one. So he'll be one we'll definitely be keeping an eye on going going forward. He did a lot of things professionally. He took dirt in his face, shrugged that off. Um, you know, he just did everything that he was supposed to do in a professional manner and shows he had some talent and ability too. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to see him again back in the hopeful by the end of the meet. They're probably going to wait for the champagne at Belmont. Um, just to get a little more spacing. The hopeful is pretty quick coming back, and um, it's still they'll nominate to that race, and it's still a possibility. And they'll you know they'll play it by year once we get closer to closing weekend. But um, even if we don't see him back at the meet, that's the, this is a two year old colt that we, that we need to pay attention in the future and the rest of this year for sure. Well, next week we'll be talking Travers on the uh, Party Shots podcast. But do you uh, have some news? Uh, Traver News involving maximum security, the horse that originally won the Kentucky Derby, what was disqualified. Is there a chance he'll run in the Travers? There still is. Originally, as soon as he won the Haskell at Monmouth Park, they were talking about Travers right away. But since then, the Pennsylvania Derby has entered the picture as well, which is on September 21st. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I was thinking of War of Will, the Preakness winner. That's the case with him. Maximum Security definitely uh, um, heading to the Travers. Um, I got a little ahead of myself there. War of Will originally was looking at the Travers, but now they want to give him a little more time because he was the only horse who ran all three legs of the Triple Crown and and uh, didn't really look all that great in Jim Danny. But back to Maximum Security, yeah, he's definitely he's supposed to be here. And, and um, you know, I guess there's always an outside shot that they might opt for the Pennsylvania Derby, but if he's He's in the Travis, which we believe he will be. Um, that'll really spice things up. Right now, um, the way the field is shaping up is we got Dwyer Winter, Code of Honor, is definitely going to be in the Travers. He skipped the Jim Danny because he likes more time between his races. Chad Brown's got two highest honors and looking at bikinis, which finished one and three in the curling. Um, and then the other ones you can throw in there, game winner, would certainly add a lot of spice to this race, two-year-old champion, male champion from last year. And the others that they're, Naira is publicizing as probable right now are endorsed, Everfast, Epping Fox, Owendale, uh, Jim Dandy winner Tax, and uh, Tacitus, who was the runner-up in the Jim Dandy. Um, so they, they have a short field for the Jim Dandy, but three of them are coming back, Tax, Tacitus, and Laughing Fox. And if we get maximum security and game winner in here, uh, that really made things interesting with Code of Honor training uh, lights out. Um, little break from uh, between the Dwyer and the Travers. So that's the way that's shaping up right now. Well, week six of the Saratoga season is upon us, Mike, and it looks like another quiet week. Uh, big stakes, stakes race uh, coming up uh, Saturday is the Alabama. So what can we look forward to there? Um, the Alabama is, is looking kind of interesting. The, the one notable um, absentee will be Guarana from Chad Brown's barn, who won the um, Coaching Club American Oaks earlier in the meet to go three for three in her kind of relatively short career. And he said um, in the Naira notes the other day that she'll point toward the Cotillion, which is on Pennsylvania Derby Day at parks in Philadelphia. Um, and mentioning the mile and a 16th distance, which is actually a cutback from the Coaching Club American Oaks. Um, the Alabama's mile and a quarter, and I, I'll just never forget Jose Ortiz, the jockey, as soon as she won the uh, CCA Oaks, uh, I asked him, you know, the extra eighth of a mile of the Alabama going to be in her wheelhouse, and he right away said, I don't think so. I think this is as far as she wants to go. Like we mentioned this quote before, and sure enough, um, consistent with that, it looks like Guarana is going to go to the cotillion with a shorter distance. But in the meantime, Chad Brown will be well represented by Dunbar Road, who won the Mother Goose 
Um, and a couple of the others, Point of Honor, who won the Black Eyed Susan and was second to Guarana in the um, CCA Oaks, um, probably will be the favorite off of that effort. And the others that you can throw in there are Champagne Anyone, Street Band, Lady Apple, um, a Fleet Destiny, and a Philly named Uwele, who uh, was second to Point of Honor in the Black Eyed Susans and second in the Iowa Oaks. So you got a couple like Lady Apple and Street Band and Uwele who can who are kind of coming from a different out-of-town, lower-level angle and could be, um, you know, kind of spice up the mix a little bit. But right now, I, I would say Point of Honor would have to be a favorite, and Dunbar Road um, it's probably going to be the second choice for the Alabama. So it should be an interesting race, even without the undefeated uh, Guarana in there. 139th running, it's one of the biggest races on the Saratoga calendar every year, and one of the biggest races in a three-year-old third Philly division every year, too. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. They'll, they'll draw that uh, tomorrow, I believe, tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, yeah Wednesday. Uh, before you go, Mike, uh, you watched the Albany Empire win Arena Bowl 32 on Sunday. Uh, you covered the Albany Firebirds when they won the 1999 Arena Bowl. What did you think of, of what the Empire did? I think that was pretty cool, especially for the fans. Now, I mean – the way the Arena Football League is set up right now, there's not as many teams, um, not to diminish their accomplishment, but back in the day when the Firebirds were here, they were the king of the, the arena, um, and they won that Arena Bowl in 1999. Man, that was a blast team. That, that was such a fun team to cover, um, just the personalities on the team and how good they were, and they, they played very exciting, and it, there's a lot of holdover fans from those days who are embracing the Empire now and are kind of rewarded for, you know, being loyal to that sport and loyal to the team that plays it in that um, arena uh, for essentially two decades of waiting and and for kind of a return to glory a little bit. So, you know, good for the fans. That, you know, they're, they're really good fans. I guess they got 12,000 plus there, which makes sense because, um, you know, this team has been drawing pretty well since they started up a couple of years ago. And um, to get a championship right off the rip, uh, yeah, I imagine they're going to kind of build off that momentum going into next year. I thought it was kind of neat at the end of the game where the fans were allowed to come on the field and celebrate with the players and uh, share the, the moment. I, I thought that was a great uh, part of that. I was down yeah, there on the field. It was just unbe- just the craziness is unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty typical of like a league like the Arena League that realize they, they need to go the extra yard to, to extend to their fans, you know, like courtesies like that and, and kind of the extra fan experience that, you know, the Firebirds used to have autograph sessions after their games and I'm sure the Empire do the same thing. And, um, you know, this, this isn't like big market, big money, mainstream sports and to kind of maintain your fan base, you got to really identify with them and, you know, just boots on the ground and, and, shake their hand and look them in the eye and say thank you and and uh because it's really a very reciprocal relationship between the fans and the team and uh you know so it, um again good good for the fans uh you know they earned it They're, they've been very loyal over the years well i'm just glad i dried out from all the champagne that was poured in the locker room after the game <laughs> <laughs> thank god i had a poncho it's not fun it's not fun typing a story when your eyes are stinging and you're like you can't even open your eyes that um uh it has a pretty acidic content, yes. as, as anyone who's had a bottle poured over their head will know. Well, thank God they gave us ponchos before he we went in there, so it kept kept the uh, <laughs> wetness to the minimum there. So, but uh, well, well, Mike, I look forward to your Saratoga coverage once again. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore McAdam. 
Uh, Mike, thanks for your insight, and we'll talk next week, especially with the Travers right, coming up. Thanks for having me. We'll, we'll have loads of stuff to talk about next week, I promise. And that wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots Podcast. I would like to thank my guest, Aurora Games executive producer and creator Jerry Solomon, and Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. Also, thanks to the members of the Arena Bowl 32 champion Albany Empire for the post-game interviews from Sunday's game. The Parting Shots podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android in your app store. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Good day, good sports.